0: Hey, we are excited about uh, this series, uh, XOXO, where we're going to be focusing in on relationships. And I'm excited about it, and I'm scared to death about it at the same time. And the reason is because um, I'm not an expert when it comes to this idea of relationships. I- I'm just not. And uh, Kim's still standing there because it's this point that I'm supposed to stop, and I'm supposed to dismiss the kids, and I forgot again. So, um, our kids, you're free to head out to your classrooms. We'll take a time out, we'll go jump back in. So, if you want to head out to your classroom, kids, fifth grade and under, it's all you. You're going to be making something special today, so uh, have fun doing that. Um, There you go. So as I was saying, I'm not an expert in relationships. Um, I have some experience in relationships. I, I was Raised in a family with my mom and dad, my older sister, and a younger sister. Yes, I'm the middle child, so yes, that explains a lot uh, if you get to know me. Uh, Michelle and I have been married for over 21 years five kids, three grandkids. um, So at least I've had some practice when it comes to relationships. Got a few friends that I think still like me. Um, But just because I'm in relationships and just because we are in relationships, it doesn't mean we're necessarily good at those relationships. It reminded me of a story of a young bank president who went to one of his older, elder statesman uh, board members, and uh, he said, how do I become good at this? And the board member said, well, you need experience. And he said, well, how do I I get experience? He said, well, you have to do some things. Well, what's one of the first things that, that I need to do? He goes, well, you need to make wise decisions. And okay, okay, how do I make wise decisions? He says, well, the only way you can do that is is by experience. Well, how do I really get that experience? And the elder statesman said, well, the best way to get experience is to make bad decisions, right? And that maybe sums up a lot of how I feel uh, about relationships sometimes. It's, it's what I know. I know how to make the wrong choices more often than not. And I would guess that some of the time you feel that way as well. And so as we talk about relationships uh, here in, in this series, it's going to be somewhat natural for us to focus on the romantic relationship, but we're going to do that. But in this series, what I want you to know is what we're striving to do is to talk about the concepts that apply regardless of the relationship, the, the nature of that relationship. Whether it's a coworker or a friend or a family, a spouse, a parent, a child, we're going to try to look at a lot of across-the-board principles that apply. Here's what I heard another preacher say, and I think it's very applicable to what we're talking about in this series. He said, life is less about what you are doing and more about who you are doing it with. And and I thought that's very applicable to what we're talking about. What type of community do you have surrounding you? What type of people are around you? And I would suggest That the relationships that we have, the friendships and the dating relationships and and the marriages, they are incredibly complex at times, and they can be incredibly difficult. And one of the primary reasons that they are difficult is because at the very least, they include two sinners, right? I mean, you think about any relationship in which you have, when things get difficult... Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it's because one of the sinners starts to view the other sinner in the relationship as a bigger sinner than they are. And the focus is on how the other person's sin is the problem, and they begin to neglect or minimize or ignore the sin and the junk in their own life. And that creates a problem, which leads us to think that maybe the biggest problem with every relationship is not that some of us are unhealthy, but that all of us are unholy right? And maybe that's the biggest problem. No matter how great the friendship is, the marriages, the co-working relationship, the reality is those relationships are made up of imperfect people, and that creates complexity, and that creates difficulty. Now, maybe you're here today, and you are married, and you find yourself that you are happily married, and to that I would say congratulations, good job, and you know from experience That you don't get to a good relationship or a healthy relationship without it taking a lot of work and working really hard. And if that is you, I feel like I have a responsibility to say to you, now would be a terrible time to begin to coast. Because in order to coast, what must be true? You're going downhill, right? And that's not good. So don't coast. You've got to continually ask yourself the question, what could I do to make this relationship better than it is right now? Maybe you're here today and you're married and you're not in a good spot in your relationship. Maybe you have had the thought, or maybe you've even shared with someone, "It's over. I'm done. Maybe you're here today, maybe as a last-ditch last effort or, or just something, that, if it's you truly believe that your relationship is dead. A while back, maybe there had been some hope, but now, no way. And to you, I would say, you may be right. Your relationship, it may be over. It, it, it may be dead. But here's what I believe to be true. We worship a God who specializes in resurrection. A God who specializes in breathing life into that which is dead. And this is not to manipulate, manipulate you or to try to give you some false hope, but, but what if you were to open your heart to what God's word has to say about relationships? What if you allowed him to breathe life back into that relationship which you think is dead if he did would you be willing to nurture that relationship back to life and back to health would you be there would you give God a, a chance to revive that which you think is dead maybe you're here today and you're single you love being single you don't need a man you don't need a woman you're content to be single congratulations good for you maybe you're here today you're single and you want to get married okay congratulations good for you right statistically. It says, if you want to get married, you will get married. So take that for what it's worth. Maybe you're single and uh, you find yourself single again. And what you really want to do is be reconciled to your spouse. Or maybe you're single and it's because your spouse has passed away and you're facing each day without the other person. And I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that pain. The difficulties that you're facing Because the reality is while other people may not completely exactly understand what you're experiencing, every one of us can relate to difficult, challenging situations in our relationship. No matter what you're facing or feeling, you're not alone. It's why we as a community of believers gather together on a Sunday morning. It's really why we encourage you to be a part of small groups where you can share in those joys and sorrows and lift each other up and encourage one another and hold each other accountable and just to walk through that together because you're you're just not alone. And we want you to know that. We want to encourage that with you. And maybe you're here today and you are a a teenager or a young adult and you're trying to navigate this idea of relationships on a daily basis with the societal focus on sex and how you identify yourself and you're trying to figure out how to be a kid and how to be grown up all at the same time. You desire freedom and you're learning how to handle more responsibility. The pressures and the stress of trying to figure out what you want to do with your life and, and how... You just wonder and you pray at night going, God, how could you give me such dorky parents who embarrass me and they just don't understand what I'm going through, right? You just kind of live in that reality. That's why I'm really thankful for what Ian and Courtney are doing uh, through PYC uh, in the high school students. They're talking about dating and relationships and navigating what that looks like in our society and in our culture today, and they're going to kick that off tonight, and so young people, students, be sure and be here for that. Relationships are not easy, And so as we kick off this XOXO series, I want to share with you a key verse of Scripture that's going to kind of set the tone for us as we walk through these next weeks and we talk about this relationship idea. We find it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. And he has spent the letter encouraging people with the truth of who they are and how they are alive in Christ, that they are one in Christ, that God sent Jesus to all people, to the Jews and the Gentiles, and he urges them to live their lives imitating Christ and walking in the light of truth. And in verse 21 of chapter 5, it says these words, they're there on the screen behind me, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now. Paul is addressing all relationships here. He's, he's not gender specific. It's not age specific. Paul is imploring us to submit to one another due to our respect and adoration for God. To interact with people in a way that is consistent with our worship to the Lord. And then he goes on, if you were to read the rest of that chapter, to talk about the different relationships and husbands and wives and parents and, and children and how we are to interact with each other. But it's under this guise of submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because when you read on in that text, the word submit has been used and abused and people you know, don't like it and get up in arms and want to go to battle over it. But, but if we were to understand that he's telling us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ first, that's what we're called to do. Because we worship the Lord, we submit to one another. Over the past uh, several weeks, we've been looking at the spiritual disciplines. We've explored Bible study and worship and prayer and giving, all with the intent of building on that foundation of our relationship with Christ so that we can now build on our relationship with one another as we continue to work on our relationship with Him. And so that's what we're trying to do here today. How many of you have been to a, a bookstore recently? Anybody been to a bookstore recently? Anybody venture over to the relationship section of the bookstore? You're like, no, I got this figured out already, right? No, if you were to go to, the, to the, you know, the relationship section or start to look for books like that, there are all kinds of books telling you how to find the right person, aren't there? The right business partner, the right travel agent, the right coach, the right spouse, the right everything. They're, they're trying to direct you to find the right person. But in this series, what if we instead we change the focus? As I read someone say, it is more important to be the right person than to find the right person. If we live our lives in a healthy way and we are the type of person that honors God in everything we say and do and in our relationships and every aspect of our life, that's what we're going to strive to do. And so as it is Valentine's Day, I, I want to talk about... Uh, a relationship between, that that very complicated relationship between a man and a woman, in an effort to illustrate kind of the differences and the complications that exist there, uh, I would really love for some audience participation to take place today, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. Everybody needs to, can you do this, make an X? You can do it this way or this way or this way, depends on how demonstrative you want to be, right? Put it out there in front of you so we can see it, all right? So that means no. Got that? That means no. And then can you do this or this or whatever you want to do? Again, however emphatically you want to make the yes, all right? So, yes, got it? So, when I ask the question, either you agree with it, yes, you disagree with it, no, you think it's true, yes, you don't think it's true, no. Makes sense? Everybody with me? We awake? We alive? All right? Okay, here we go. First question. If your spouse loves an outfit that isn't flattering or just doesn't look good on them, should you tell them? Come on, you got to vote. How about a really good friend? You don't have a spouse? There you go. So... Lots of yeses, and there's a few guys are like, no way, dude. You don't tell her. There's no way. All right. Okay, very good. Is an hour of quality time better than a dozen roses or, let's say, just any gift? Yes or no? (laughs) Again, nos and yeses, not completely split, but close. All right, so we've got a lot of people that want roses. That's what I'm I'm hearing. Um, Does the husband cleaning the house lead to a more romantic mood? Okay, so my wife's over there doing this. I'm not sure what that means exactly. (laughs) I heard someone refer to uh, chores around the house as chore play. I'm not sure what that means. So anyway. Should you always answer the phone when your spouse calls? (laughs) That wasn't just a, that was a yeah, right. Come on, let's see. Okay, then why don't you? That's the question, right? All right, um, last one. If you tell your significant other not to get you anything up for Valentine's Day, hold that, hold that thought, Mike, all right? So, guys, I don't know how it is with you, but there's times when, no, when, oh, just don't get me anything, right? We're good. But if your spouse or significant other tells you that on Valentine's Day, or really for any occasion, here's the question. Go ahead, Mike. Can you still be mad at them when they don't get you anything? No, no, yes, yes, <laughs> yes and no, okay. Isn't that tough? I mean, right? Relationships are tough, aren't they? You try to figure that out and you try to guess. You try to figure out what the other person's thinking and what they really mean by what they say and, and all those different things. But here's what we want to keep in mind. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And as we keep that in mind, I want to look at a, a passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 19, in Matthew chapter 19, we find Jesus, after the transfiguration, after performing miracles, after teaching on taxes and the kingdom of heaven and lost sheep and forgiveness and mercy, Jesus was asked a question about divorce. And in answering this question about divorce, he kind of asked them a question and made a statement all at the same time. And he says this in verse 5, he says, basically, have, have you not read, don't you know these things, that for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two... Will become one flesh. They are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Now, the reason Jesus could say, Have you not heard? was because he was quoting from Genesis chapter 2, a uh, scripture that the Pharisees who were asking Jesus this question, they would have known. And from what Jesus said, I think there's a couple of key points that, that we can grasp out of this and, and glean from this as we talk about relationships here this morning. The first one is this idea of leaving. We need to leave. Now I understand that may be, you know, contradictory to what we're talking about in relationships, but, but hang with me for a second. Jesus said, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother. Now, in this context, it makes sense that Jesus is talking about the man doing the leaving uh, because of the audience in which he was talking to. But in our context, this is something that applies, I think, to, to both the man and the woman. This idea is included in the idea that, that you are leaving the, the point of your life that, that you've always kind of lived your life this way. And, and up to this point, it's been somewhat selfish and, and focused on yourself. And in order for there to be a healthy relationship, there has to be some leaving that takes place. I have to leave my own self-centeredness and my own demands and my own desires to get what I want. I have to leave those things behind. One of the things that I have the opportunity to do as a pastor is to perform weddings and weddings are are a fun time for the couple and for the families and for friends, and often it's during that ceremony that the focus is on the bride, right? Which it should be, and people look at the bride, and they're like, oh, how beautiful she is. They look at the groom and say how handsome he looks today, and the, the whole event, they're just happy and joyful, and just everything is just perfect. But for me, I have a slightly different view of the ceremony. See, one of the things that I ask couples to do before I will provide preside over their wedding ceremony is to go through uh, biblical premarital counseling and I don't have to be the one that guides them through that counseling but but often I do have that opportunity and as a result as they are trying to be united as they're getting married they still have some leaving to do we have some very interesting conversations about who's going to do what right how they're going to handle the finances, what they're going to do and what they're not going to do, how they're going to spend their free time. Because when two people come together, there's some leaving that has to happen, some leaving of old self and old perspectives and an and old way of doing things, leaving your own desires to get your own way all of the time, which is, again, where the words of Paul, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, they're just so significant in our relationships. The principle is that when we submit, it is then that we're able to have the type of relationship that we desire. The relationships we all want, uh, they really occur not so much when I get what I want, but when I give what I have. And that's kind of ironic for us, because we think that the way to happiness is to get what we want, but, but that's not really the way it works. This idea of submitting, of putting another person's needs and wants and desires ahead of your own, uh, it's just counterintuitive, and even when you know that's true, it's, it's still a mystery of how that works, because here's the thing. In my marriage, and I'm guessing in your marriage, you have needs and wants and desires, and the type of relationship you are in is, is indicative of that. That's the type of thing that you want, and it just makes sense that if we want our needs and our desires to be met, then we need to make them the priority, right? That's what we need to be seeking, because... If they're met, then we think, then I will be happy. But, but here's the thing. I've yet to talk to any couple who has achieved the happiness that they desire by making their own personal happiness their focus. When it's all about you, you're just simply not happy because happiness is a byproduct that only comes when we're pursuing something bigger and grander and more noble than our own wants and, and needs and desires. The same is true... When it comes to our relationship with Christ, and we see it modeled there, this past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, the the beginning of Lent, a season where the focus is looking inward and asking, what is it that we need to leave behind in order to die with Christ? Because when we die with Him, we become closer and we draw closer to Him. Romans 6, 5 says, if we've been united with Him in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. Jesus demonstrated this type of leaving that we are to have, this this type of submission, this type of love. He gave up of his needs and his wants and his desires and he went to the cross. He, He gave his life for us. And in doing so, Jesus has the right to challenge us as he does in Luke chapter 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. And what's interesting about this text is Jesus points out that this leaving, this idea of submitting, and this idea of dying is not a one-time thing. We can't just say, okay, I'm going to submit to you now and we're good. No, it's a continual thing. It's a daily thing. It's true in our relationship with God. It's true in our relationship with each other. It's definitely true in our relationship with our spouse. The reality for me is it's very easy for me to make it all about me. And yet, ironically, every time I prioritize my needs and my wants and my desires, rarely do I actually achieve that which I desire in the context of the relationship. Part of developing that, that godly relationship is the continual leaving of yourself, submitting to the other person. And if we want to enter into a relationship that's going to, to be worthwhile, there's some leaving we need to do so that we can submit to one another out of reverence Christ. There's a second thing that jumps out at me from the text. Not only are we supposed to leave, but Jesus says, uh, and be united to his wife. Unite. If you're familiar with the King James version of the Bible, that's what you grew up reading maybe, in this text it uses the word cleave. And and it paints a very interesting word picture. It's the image of glue, all right? It's to adhere, uh, to adhere to unswervingly, unconditionally loyal. The idea that That I am leaving my self-centered life and I surrender to God and to the other person. And as I do that, we are uniting together. We're glued together. It's this idea of of I'm not going anywhere. I don't care how bad things get. We are united. I am committed to you. I'm so thankful that Michelle and I have this type of commitment in our marriage. We are not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But we are seeking to leave our self-centered selves and unite together together as we commit to one another, so that we can become one. And that's what Jesus talks about next. He says one. Jesus said the two will become one flesh. They're no longer two, but one. Sex, right? I mean, Jesus is talking about the physical union. He's talking about sex. But it's important to see that there's a pattern here to this relationship. There's an order to what Jesus is talking about. Now, I know then in our culture and our society today, there's a lot of people who have accepted this idea that sex is just sex. It, it's no big deal. So I know that as I share what I think and what I believe, it's going to be quickly dismissed because a lot of people have just pretty much already, already decided what they think and what they believe. And, and you may, as I get through this, you may think, well, that preacher guy, he's just way out of touch and really needs to update his beliefs and, you know, join us in, in New Jersey. And, and I get that. I realize that. I accept that. And what I'm about to say is in no way, shape, or form a, a, an attempt to cause guilt or shame or embarrassment or anything like that. We get enough guilt, shame, embarrassment from the world and other places. That, that's, not what we're, that's not what we're about here. But I wonder, as I look at the scriptures and as, as I look at how God designed this, that as God designed us, our, our body and our soul, if he didn't create them in such a way that we were created for sex, not to be just sex Uh, you know I've talked to lots of people and research again and again has proven out that giving yourself physically to someone with whom there is no true commitment doesn't bring satisfaction it it brings temporary pleasure but there's still that ache in your soul there's that longing for something more and it's, it's an emptiness and I wonder could it be because God is right could it be because there is a pattern and an order to this and, and maybe his ways are the best ways? Maybe it's leaving and it's submitting and it's surrendering, it's being united and then it's coming together as one. Because here's the thing that we don't like to talk about when it comes to relationships. There's a four-letter word that nobody likes. We don't like to talk about it, but it's such a reality in our relationships. And the four-letter word is work, right? Right? When it comes to relationships, it takes work. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. When anytime we see a therefore, we ask the question, what's it? What's it therefore? What's Jesus been talking about, right? Because of this relationship, because of this pattern, because of this order, therefore, what God has joined together. That word joined, another way you could read that is also yoked. What God has yoked together. Now, the reason that this is important because yoked is a work word, right? It's a work word. Now, how many of you here grew up on a farm? Anybody? Raise your hand. Raise them up high. Be proud. Now, of the four of us that are in here today that grew up on a farm, any of you use oxen to plow your field? My grandfather did, but thankfully I never did. I don't know who sent in the picture of them and their spouse, but really, really appreciate that. T- no, I'm kidding. Obviously I'm kidding. No, but it's this idea of being yoked together, of working together. Now, I ask you this. If one oxen decides to go left, where does the other one go? Left. Hard to go right when you're yoked together, right? They have to learn to work together. They have to learn to uh, coordinate, to submit to one another. They, they have to get through this together. It, it's taking work and effort. And it's not easy, is it? It's not always easy in a relationship to learn how to work in tandem with each other. One of the, the biggest myths in society it, when it comes to relationships is that if I could just find the right person, if that person is my quote-unquote soulmate, then this would be easy. Then it wouldn't take any work. And this causes people who are in marriage relationships to say, this is taking way too much and way too much effort. And it just, it's just too much that I've got to have the wrong person. I need to go find the right person. But this is a work word. It's a team word. It's the idea that you're going to be yoked together. And if you want to have a good relationship, it takes Work. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes attention. It takes character work. It takes scheduling work. It takes spiritual work. And I know that that doesn't sound real sexy or romantic or fun. And I really hope, especially guys, I hope you didn't give your wife a Valentine's Day card that reads, you are more work than I ever imagined possible. Right? <laughs> That's probably a bad move. But the, re- the reality is, a good relationship takes work. Work but it's worth it. John Ortberg said Jesus didn't say God fuses us magically, right? God didn't just point at us and go poof, it's green lights and sunny days and warm, right? Some cold days out there. Instead, he uses a work word, a yoked word, joined. And what God has yoked together, what God has said will take work together, let man not separate. And maybe today in your relationship What you need to do is to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Maybe there's some leaving you need to do because you've been making it all about you. Maybe the struggle is that you've been focused on your own wants and needs and desires. You've only been thinking about yourself, and instead it's time to to start focusing on submitting and trying to figure out what the other person wants and needs and desires. Maybe for you, you need to be united. It's time to be glued together again. got to tell you, it's been really heartbreaking for me over the past several months to to just find out about the pain and the struggle that some people have been going through. Because they're just no longer united together. They're, They're still in the same home, but they're living with strangers because they're not united together. and It just breaks my heart for you. Last week, Michelle and I had some difficult conversations about life and family and finances and plans and It really had a huge potential to be an opportunity for us to become divided. And yet, we're committed to each other. We're united. We're we're glued together. And and we refuse to let the things of this world or the decisions of other people come between us. I think one of the reasons is because I've always told Michelle if she leaves me, I'm going with her. Right? We are united. Because we're one. And when we come together, we celebrate that. And after... 20 plus years of of striving to out love each other we know it takes work it's not easy sometimes but it's worth it it's worth the work, it's not going to just happen marriage is not 50-50 that's what you do when you end a relationship right? marriage is 100-100 it's giving it all it's being willing to love and not count the cost there's no better example of that than what we have for what God did for us when He gave us His Son, Jesus, where He demonstrated that for us. It's the love Christ demonstrate, demonstrated and displayed for us when He willingly went to the cross for us. And because of His love in our life, it demands that we respond to Him and we have a choice to make. Do we submit ourselves to the Lord or do we continue to seek our own? Do we leave behind those things that get between us and our rela- relationship with Him or do we hold on to those things? We want to invite you, we want to challenge you here this morning to over the next several moments as we worship together through singing and scripture and prayer, as we take communion together, as we give of our offerings, as we do all of those things, would you ask yourself are you submitting to the Lord? Are you submitting to one another because you submit to the Lord? Our relationship with Him has such an impact on our relationship with each other. And we need to be in reverence to Him and and to consider what he's done for us. If throughout the course of our our time together, if you want to talk to someone, if you want to talk to one of the leadership team members or staff or prayer team, we invite you just to make your way to the front or the back of the auditorium where we could meet with you and pray with you and encourage you and, and walk down this path with you as we strive to submit to one another because of what God has done for us, because of his great love for us. So as we respond this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. The band's going to lead us and we're going to go through a time of worship and reflection and response. Let's respond to the Lord together this morning.